Welcome back to Real Estate Investing with Alex Deacon. I am here with the Deacon himself, Alex Deacon. Alex, what is going on, my good brother? Brother, the sun is shining and all that eight inches of snow is pretty much melted and I'm happy as can be. How are you doing? Uh, you know what? I, I want to echo that sentiment because it's it's feeling good with the sun out there today. I actually don't mind seeing the snow melt away a little bit, you know, so um, hopefully spring is coming here in the Pittsburgh area. But that's not what we're here to talk about. We're not weathermen, although we're probably about as accurate as weathermen. Um, Alex, we wanted to kind of piggyback off of your last broadcast where you were kind of giving people some tips and tricks on how to make money out of thin air. Basically, kind of look within, look look a little deeper uh, when you look at a property on how you can maybe subdivide it. Mm -hmm. uh, Alex, today we're going to go deeper into that with land development. Uh, let's talk about it. Yeah, absolutely. Where would you like to start? Uh, you know what? I'm the novice, so look at me as look at me as Luke Skywalker and you're Yoda. Ah, Teach me, wise man. Yoda, I am. <laughs> All right, I I could be honest with the the. Like, I, I always am in Frank, because if I don't know... I'm not Frank, but I can be frank with you. Well, hello, Frank. Does that make sense? You know, yeah. I'm Alex. But right. let me be frank here. Um, I don't know, like, everything about developing. I don't know everything about everything. But developing is probably the thing in real estate I know least about. But I know just enough to probably be dangerous. Okay. You know, <laughs> I know, I know enough to stay away from it, because it, it's, it's really a lot harder than... It's 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 difficult. It's okay. like super difficult, super stressful. Can be very speculative. Can be also very risky, and it takes a lot of money, even to do something small. Right now, I'm working on a couple really small developments. Like when I say development, I'm talking about just subdividing, like three or four lots, and you know potentially making a hundred thousand dollars over the next two years on them. Nothing that's small compared to like. There's a development going on next to my house where I live, and there is like, God, I've got the, I think the guy probably has just $10 million into it. It's a, he's building 70 houses. That's just $10 million probably into just getting the land ready and the streets in. Wow. Yeah, so the holding costs and something like that are intense. Okay. But we'll probably focus on the smaller developments, like, um, like how you can change apartments into condos and talk about how you can develop raw land and ways that you can spread out the risk on a larger development by team, teaming up with, with others who do it. Well, thank you, Frank, and just make sure you never call me Shirley. Yes. But, um, <laughs> Surely I won't. Yeah, thank you. Uh, now, what would you say, before we dip into these, what are some of the biggest risks with land development and what would you say uh, before we break down the smaller side of it? I think one of the big risks are it takes, it, first of all, it takes a tremendous amount of money and it takes a lot of different approvals. You know, you got approval from the county, from the municipality, from just government agencies that you have to get stamps on, on, on the prints and all that. So that takes time. And what can happen over time is the market can shift, right? You could be in a super hot, hot market and two years later, you got $8 million tied up or $2 million tied up and... All of a sudden, the market tanks. That can happen, and okay. then if that happens, I mean, you're you're in a world of hurt because you could lose everything. That's why it can be super risky because the market can change so quickly, but you can't move a development along quickly. It takes a long time to get things approved, get it started, and actually start building houses and selling homes to builders or building the homes yourself and selling them. Okay. Because there's a couple of different ways to develop. You could develop most. 
well, I guess I'm, I'm just speaking for around here in Pittsburgh. Most developers, they will just develop the land mm-hmm. and then they sell the lots. Like they'll sell okay. the whole development to like a Ryan Homes, who's a huge track builder, or Miranda Homes, or they'll, they'll sell it to a, bu- a builder like that. So the builder will take down lots as they sell them and the developer just basically gives them a place to build houses. Okay. That's the way a lot of developments work. Or if they're custom homes, the build, the developer will sell the lots to custom home builders. And then they'll build houses, spec houses, or they'll stuff like that. Um, there are a few developers, like the gentleman doing the one next to my house. He is actually the developer and the custom builder. So he's doing both. He's been doing it since like the 70s. So this guy's been in the business a while. So as far as risk... If you're going to do some sort of development, what I've done in the past is I've been involved in in a small way in a couple where a development was started and we had a Miranda Homes buy one. So Miranda Homes is a big track builder. Mm-hmm. And Ryan Homes bought the other. Now I got out of both of those developments at an early point. I just didn't feel comfortable with them. The Miranda Homes one, they made money on my partner's. And the the other one they lost money on, wow. and that's so it was, it was a lot of work, a lot of stress. I'm kind of glad I walked away. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Good. So that this isn't really for the faint of heart, so to speak. This is not. <laughs> if I was to do another one, if I was to find the property, what I would do. So a lot of people, a, a lot of investors, they come to me with maybe a deal, and they say, Hey, Alex, here's a, a single family home I want to flip, and for me that's just like a walk in the park because right. it's just easy because that's what I do. Right. So I'm like, yeah, sure, I'll help you with that. Let's go 50-50 on it or 70-30. I'll come up with all the money. I'll do all the work. You just basically sit sit back and collect the profits when they come in. So happy to do that. So on the development side of things, I'm the little guy. And I'd go to some big person with a lot of money or a corporation with a lot of money and a lot of knowledge in that area. And I would say to them, hey, I got a nice piece of property. I have it under contract. Uh, do you want to team up with me on this? Because this could be a fantastic opportunity. I'll do all the legwork. You know, you cut, you guys come up with the money, the ideas. We'll put some sort of partnership together. That's one way to really remove the risk or minimize the risk. I mean, you can be risk-free and say, hey, look, I want 10% of the profits and I want to come up with no money and I want to have no risk. Right. Okay. So you would forego any commissions or any profits until five years down the road but why not right 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 or you say hey look i'll come up with uh, 20 percent of the money and i want to have 20 percent ownership but you also get 20 percent of the risk okay so that way at least you can find ways to minimize that risk as much mm-hmm. as possible and stress i would imagine too yeah you're minimizing it hugely because you don't have that learning curve right you don't have to learn how to what comes first do i get the sewers in do i put the road in who do i use as the uh, excavator who does all this for me who do I get for that what's a good price for that you know like if you if I know what a bathroom costs I know what a kitchen costs I know what it costs to paint a room and put carpet in and flooring mm-hmm. I wouldn't know how much it would cost to put in roads and sewer lines and is it a good deal are these people reputable because if somebody screws up on a bathroom yeah okay I go in I gotta fix it for a couple grand <laughs> if somebody screws up on putting roads or sewers in and then the engineer who works for the downship says hey you guys did this wrong you know that could that, be a nightmare that could be on, on top of a nightmare insane yeah. yeah okay so 
let's talk about some of these smaller projects. Yeah, the smaller projects are, here, I'll give you a really good example that just popped in them across my desk the other day, actually. Uh, somebody sent to me, it was a five or six unit apartment complex, and it was, they were all deeded separately. So mm -hmm. meaning every unit has, had its own deed. Okay. So what that tells me is maybe it was a condo at one point, or maybe it still is a condo, just the, maybe the owner owns the whole building. Okay. Maybe it's six units, and maybe the owner just owns the whole building. So let's say that building is six units at 100000 a unit. Let's say that building is $600,000, bought complete as one. But if you separate them up, and it could be relatively easy and inexpensive since they're deeded separately... If you separate them, you could sell them for 130 each individually. Okay, so there you go, instant, you, instant equity, right? So you have a couple different scenarios there. You can hold on to that building, just continue renting it out. They're going up in value, and in 10 years, that building could be worth instead of the 600 you paid for it, it could be worth. 900 or it could be worth 1.4 million because condos are in high demand at that time or something right, right? okay so if you if you you know hedge your bets and you hit the market at the right time on the sell end that could be a huge return okay so the thing you need to look up look for when you buy like maybe an apartment building and can i make condos out of them um, if they're not deeded separately it it could be virtually impossible to make condos because where they're built and as they're built, they that whole area could be zoned to like no condos. Like so you can't even you couldn't even go to the township and say, Hey, you know what, I bought this six unit building, I wanna make condos out of it. They're just gonna look at you like, No, did you not read our zoning book? It says no. You'd have to get like an approval to change the zoning and that's super hard to get. Hmm. So to do condos, it's a it's it's possible to do townhomes, same thing. Um there's ways to make money there. To basically, what we're doing is we're creating something out of nothing. Like if we're able to create value of a hundred thousand dollars per unit to a hundred thirty thousand without doing anything, virtually anything, right. then that's how you become wealthy. With with by changing, by using your eraser and changing something on a piece of paper. Mm -hmm. You know, legitimately, you're you're creating wealth by doing that. Really, just looking to see how you can maybe break down something into into more units. Really, I mean that's and now even in smaller situations like this, are there any obstacles that you typically run into that just little little things that you've come across over the years that somebody might you know that would surprise people uh, a thorn in, in somebody's side you know something that might pop up every once in a while. I think the the thing that can be a thorn in someone's side is themselves, and what Ooh. they do is they just act too quickly. They just see that, okay, these were all deeded separately. Therefore, I can make them into condos. No, therefore, you don't, you don't know you can make anything into anything. When you have to get government approval and they go through townships and all that BS, you are at the mercy of whoever in, you're in front of. What? You mean you just can't skip that? What? <laughs> no. oh. And it's insane some of the hoops you have to jump through. So I think a lot of people's downfall is just their ambition gets in the way of uh, how the uh, real, real wheel weld? How the wheel weld works? They trip over their own feet, so to speak. Yes, they get they get in their own. They're like I said, their aggressiveness and their willing, they're wanting to succeed, 
uh, far outweighs their wisdom. Patience, butterfly. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, you have to make sure you have all your ducks in a row. And the other thing you have to consider, too, in a condo is uh, you when you create a condominium, you have to form a homeowners association, so an HOA. And to form an HOA, you have to have like restricted covenants and rules and regulations. And that all has to be drafted by an attorney. And from what I understand, that's very expensive. Okay. You know, it's not like $5,000. It's a lot. So you have to get that set up. You have there, There's a lot more to it. So before entering into some sort of contract on, on a potential real estate venture that you think you can create condos out of, you would want to put some sort of contingency in your sales agreement stating, hey, I have 45 days to do my due diligence and contact the township and do my research on can I make these into condos. So give yourself enough time to do your due diligence. And then we could talk a little bit about um, what I'm doing right now with a small parcel, which is this vacant lots. So I have, I have some property that's in an area that's a good school district. The property itself is like not the most usable. It's not tabletop level, mm-hmm. but it's definitely something that you could build homes on okay. two of the lots next to them the one that i'm looking at two lots to the left as you're looking at the lots the the owners have owned them forever and they they're way behind on their taxes their taxes are pennies <laughs> but they, they might not have paid taxes for 30 years so i'm going to look i'm going to research into acquiring those there's two properties after that that the owners aren't behind on their taxes, so I was going to reach out to them and say, hey, would you like to sell? The problem with this property is there's no sewage there. So getting sewage there can be expensive. So unless you own like all five or six lots in that stretch, nobody wants to pay for the sewage to come through there. So if I owned five or six lots, I can, and it's cost me 200,000 to get sewer to those five or six lots, so six lots divided by two hundred thousand divided by six is like thirty five thousand or so, thirty two five or whatever. It's a lot easier to digest. Yeah, it's spread out over six lots. So the the thing is, if I can get those lots cheap enough, I'll just buy them and sit on them. Mm-hmm. Um, if I can't, then what I would do is I'd put a contingency together and say, yeah, I will give you X dollar for this lot, but I want to research what it's going to cost me to get sewer to. The properties okay Interesting. and that's a real simple easy I should say simple and easy it's difficult for me because I've never done it before to this magnitude you know I've split a I split a lot in half and made two lots out of it but this one's a little different because that one had sewage to it Th- these ones do not have public sewage to them and public sewage is expensive you know it's oh, maybe yeah. $200 per foot to run it or something I have no idea what it costs but it's not cheap but get, again, I'm creating, I'm creating an opportunity where you have six lots just sitting there useless. Right. I'm creating something that's going to help the township because the township's now going to have eventually going to have houses on all six lots. Mm-hmm. They're going to get more taxes for those homes, mm-hmm. and it's going to it's going to beautify that community. Yeah, there healthier too. neighborhood. Yeah. Yeah. 
Because, um, I mean, and this is just, everyone listening probably knows the answer to this, but I'm just going to spitball the question because I am the novice here and I don't know. But I would imagine a neighborhood that's more filled up probably increases the property value of everything around it versus home, vacancy, vacancy, home, vacancy, right? I mean, if you if you can get all the homes in a neighborhood filled up, all the the housing costs would mm-hmm. raise up a little bit, right? Yeah, I think typically, yeah. That, okay. that, I'd say yes, that's that's correct answer. Okay, good. Good deal. And that's the, the novice question of the day, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. <laughs> Rookie yeah, questions here. Um, so what else? What else did you want to embellish on? I'm looking at something right now that is it's zoned for it's zoned for multifamily. Okay. So here's the difference between what it's zoned for and what it is now. It's an old neighborhood. It's currently a four unit building. Meaning there are four kitchens, four bathrooms. It's set up as a four unit. It's probably been set up on, as a four unit for many, many years. Okay. So in a lot of cases, there may be occupancy permits on file, and it may be grandfathered in. So when I say grandfathered in, it means that if you were to build that today to current zoning regulations, and the way the municipality wants it, and fire escapes and sprinkler systems and all that, it you would not be able to build it. You uh, okay. you wouldn't be able to to build it on that parcel because it's not zoned for it. Correct. But since it's there and it's already been there and it's been there long before the, it you're grandfathered in. Gotcha. Okay. So, my plan for that one is to actually digress and go back to a three unit. Because I'm gonna, I think it'll be worth more money. Because two of the units are just poorly laid out. The two units combined back into one, we're gonna get you, we're gonna get you a better class clientele, and therefore the other two units will get a better clientele. Because the, the the two units now that are separated into small efficiencies, they just don't attract the kind of tenants you want, and I think that hurts the way you can rent the other units. And then there's, you know, parking issues. You're going from four units to three units. Right, exactly. And it's parking's a premium where this is located. But then I think people feel more, some, not all, but I think some people would feel more comfortable with it being three versus the four families, you know, because people still like their privacy even when they're looking at it, it, you know, when it's townhomes or whatever the case may be. So I mean, not so much on the investment side, you know. Yeah, the investor's I guess just looking at the income. Right. But I'm actually looking at shrinking this from four to three, which is most... In most cases, you're trying to add more units. You know, more units per. Okay. More density is usually more money in the developer's pocket, right? This is right. This is just a rare case because you can make one more of a premium. You yeah, can that, just that for this area, the the efficiencies, uh, renting an efficiency is not in demand. Where a really nice two or three bedroom unit would be in demand, and you get more turnover with efficiencies typically. So. It, it, again, it just when I say typically, it just depends on the market. Would and you say area. that that would be breaking some of the rule of thumbs? Absolutely. We we talked about the rule of thumbs, and they don't they they don't exist. I mean, they <laughs> they do and they don't. They do and they don't. So that's about it, man. I think we're all developed out. I think we are developed. Out. I think this yeah. is very very informative, sir. I think you you. Yeah, I'm not super knowledgeable in this arena. I just again, it's I know enough to be careful. Yeah, okay. I know enough. And to, you know, if you're going to do something that's out of your wheelhouse, then get the information from somebody who's done it. So I know when, you know, I know I'm wise enough now to know I need to go 
elsewhere to get information on this from someone who's reliable and knows this better than I before I pull the trigger. Gotcha. Yeah, because it does seem like there's a lot more to this to where, you know, it's it's not always as easy as it looks, so to speak. You know, you know. Yep. But, so true. So, Alex, yes, we sir. greatly, greatly appreciate you, my friend. We greatly appreciate your knowledge. I know everybody that's listening at home or on their commute or whatever they're doing, I know that they feel a little bit more informed today, so thank you. Guys, make sure you're checking out all of our great shows on Google Play, on uh, Apple Music or Apple Podcasts, whatever Apple wants to call their services now. Uh, find us on dhrea.com. Uh, find us on Facebook, Twitter. We're all over the internet, all over podcasting services. Just search Deacon Hoover. You will find us. Um, we have weekly weekly blog articles going out highlighting some of our agents here, highlighting, highlighting some of our properties that we have available here. Uh, so make sure you're checking everything out. Uh, be sure to go to our website, dhra.com. Com. Look for Alex Deacon's meetup. Uh, his April meetup is going to be about... Um, Alex, what are you doing in April again? Good, sir. April, we're discussing... Creative financing? Yeah, creative financing. Uh, how to buy with very little money down, zero money down, other people's money. It can be done. It's done every day. And we're going to have a guest speaker, Matt Beam, who's uh, a real estate attorney. He's going to talk about like the contracts that are involved with lease options and land contracts and things like that. And that is April 14th, correct? That is, yeah, it is the second Saturday of April. There we go. So, guys, make sure you're checking that out, too. And, like I said, like us, follow us, do everything you need, and make sure you're contacting us with all of your real estate or investment needs. So, guys, for Alex, for everyone here at Deacon Hoover, we greatly appreciate you tuning in, and we will see you next time.